a scientist, his wife, and young girl struggle to survive as a mysterious plague spreads across the Northeast, causing people to gruesomely kill themselves. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Boger. I'm Connor Zagari. And welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Today, we'll be talking about what many consider to be the absolute worst of Shyamalan's output, The Happening, released during a period when Shyamalan was consistently getting critical backlash for his work. This was the final nail in the coffin. It wouldn't be until the success of The Visit that his name would be prominently advertised in the marketing for his films. And now here we are. Now, to Connor for the scores. Took a while. I know I've said this on so many different podcasts whenever this guy gets brought up, but I just nobody else gets this many second chances. Everyone's just like, well, maybe the next one. And I wonder where that comes from. Like, do we love Sixth Sense that much that we're like, he's earned that much goodwill? Apparently, (laughs) yes. And unbreakable. Uh, The Happening is rocking a 17% critic score. Rotten Tomatoes, 24% audience score. Curtis Consensus reads, the happening begins with promise, but unfortunately descends into an incoherent and unconvincing trifle. I love that. Starts out good, ends up as nonsensical dog shit. I love that. <laughs> Basically just like, don't bother. <laughs> They're not wrong. The opening part of the movie, I'm like, okay, there's something that you're starting here with like the mass suicide stuff. And then as soon as you open up on Mark Warburg, a science teacher, he's just the hit yeah, we'll get into that later and later in our awards awards but um yeah once again to that point everything on earth just it immediately starts going downhill it's like nobody i feel like he told everyone he was making a comedy like he tried to do a kubrick thing like with dr strange love and it just didn't work because he's he's no kubrick my friend no <laughs> no and uh it's it's so weird because it was funny because i remember when like this can't write like like I said, like his advertising, like it was after the sixth sense, it was M. Night Shyamalan's new movie, and that was going strong until like Lady in the Water. And then that that fucking didn't do too good. But they went, you know what? He had a he had a, he had a blip. It's okay. It happens, you know. Dude, a triple failure of Lady in the Water, the happening, and the last airbender would tank any other filmmaker's career but for him it was just another minor setback i promise i'll do better next time yeah it, it was strange so i remember even this film he was still prominently advertised because it was just like okay you know what people like lady Raw, that's fine it's your next film it will turn around. it's his first r-rated film things will turn around and then this flopped and then yeah, yeah like i said like after yeah after um the movie after this i can't fucking uh last air baron which I listened to y'all's um science episode. I have seen the last there, but I've seen a little bit of the show. Not all my siblings liked it more than I did. Um, I've seen the movie and yeah, that was dog shit. Uh, um, but after that, you I remember after they did not advertise his name one bit. They were just like, "Here's a new movie with Will Smith and his son." Like his name, Shane's name was hidden from the marketing for that film. <laughs> 
didn't didn't work. Film still tanked. Oh, it's still tanked. It's all about you know we can still we can smell the Shyamalan touch. Like something about this movie doesn't sit right. Yeah, and even with like um, I mean the visit they I remember the visit they didn't really use his name a whole bunch in its advertising. They were just like hey. From the guy, I think they even used from the director of The Sixth Sense. They didn't even say his name. They were like, God, this guy. Yeah. Um, I remember after they, the visit was like a modest success, they went right back into it with Split, like from M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, after that, they, they embraced it again and went, he's back. And I mean, Grant, it worked out for Split. Split was a huge hit. Um, and it worked out box office wise for Glass, not necessarily like. People have granted, I'm probably one of the few that actually don't mind glass. I actually don't hate it like everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's actually a pretty good movie. So I guess mm-hmm. I am was I am with the my the majority are that don't like signs because of the twist. I am apparently now in the minority that likes glass. I guess that's my fucking karma coming back there. Um but now it's like no matter what, it seems like especially his recent films, because I fucking despised old. I fucking hate it old um it seems like doesn't matter the quality of film anymore they're going to keep advertising his name because now it just doesn't matter it's going to be a huge hit because when people because i saw that people were like how is he so good working like look at his box office like his box office take is insane compared to his budget for his films is why he still gets work yeah he's thrifty he doesn't use cgi he uses practicality he knows how to stay in its budget if the film ends up sucking, apparently that's not a priority for the studios. They just want that. They just want that dollar. Yeah, and old. I think it was like a twenty million, maybe even less budgeted movie, and it made like two hundred yeah. or something. Because you, like you get a bunch of TV and character actors, you throw them on a beach. There you go. That's all. What, what's that going to be like? Fifteen million dollars? Yeah, and then you mix that with the fact that you have a serving on Apple TV Plus, which has gotten really strong reviews for Apple TV. Yeah. Um. So he still has that goodwill because that show apparently, like, I've heard a lot of people talk about how good that show is. I don't know how involved. I know he's like an, uh, an executive producer. I think he was a showrunner at first. I don't know if he still is. Um, so, like, that's how that. So, for anyone asking that question, that's how modest budget and he is killing it apparently on Apple TV Plus with Servant, which is giving him a lot of good work. Actually, because that's how he got probably Rupert Grant to be a knock at the cabin because he's in the servant yeah well you know i'm gonna see i always you know i bitch but i've seen all of almost all of his movies i think after earth's the only one i haven't seen at this point so you know i'm i'm part of the problem <laughs> i'll watch it he he is an enigma of cinema and we keep watching his films i mean i'm probably gonna see knock at the cabin myself so i'm probably gonna see it um but speaking of enigma, enigma, um, the question I came up with for this week is probably the most deep, thought-provoking question I've ever come up with for this show. And I'm proud of myself. It's funny. Are you ready? You said that last week too, but okay. The no, this one beats it. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. I don't think you're properly ready, but I'll go in anyway. Do you believe? M. Night Shyamalan is a robot who doesn't truly know how human beings talk and and interact and how life works in general. That is legitimately my question to you. (laughs) I think that's, I I think that's one of many potential explanations for a 
laundry list of stilted dialogue that has affected every single one of his films, even the good ones. I I don't get that. It's weird. I feel like he's never talked to a real person. Like all of his conversations are with Siri or something. It doesn't make sense. It it doesn't. And I looked it up because so I was like, okay, I'm gonna look up his Wikipedia. His Wikipedia claims that this man is married with three children and they've been married for a while. So this is a long-term marriage he's been in. So I, I'm scared to know how he talks to his wife and kids if this is how his dialogue is in his movies. <laughs> it's you know, I think I think about like his cameo in Split when he's like talking about Hooters wing sauce. It's like really we're gonna why is this here i it's so strange old was full of that shit you know just like i i'm no expert but i think that what's happening here is insert exactly what's happening here in no way could he know this <laughs> like that that happened all the time oh, i'm expecting yeah. it to knock at the cabin it's it's almost yeah. like I, I think i said this in in one of our episodes I believe that M. Night Shyamalan was contacted by the devil who was like, hey, man, I love Sixth Sense. Let's talk. And after Sixth Sense, I think M. Night was like, I think that was the only one I got in me. And, and the devil's like, no, you know what? I'm going to give you three. Give you three good movies. And then you're back on your own. Your soul belongs to me. How's that? He's like, all right, I'll try it. Boom. Unbreakable. Boom. Signs. Boom. The village. Then the deal was over. And we got Lady in the Water, The Happening, The Last Airbender, and everyone started to realize, wait, this guy's not very good at this. I that's my that's my explanation. How do you explain his brief comeback with the visit and um split and to an extent class? Well, <laughs> I, I think the devil came back and was like, dude, I what what the hell? <laughs> like I I thought we were cool. Like I thought you had this figured out. Did you not practice? He's like, I didn't have to. You were handling it. He's like, I just gave you the gift. You had to put words to paper. <laughs> and so he's like, all right, I'm going to give you two more. Get this shit back on track, M. Night. So the visit and split. Then the deal was off again. <laughs> we got old. <laughs> and he's like, fuck. I'm done. I'm not. Do- You're on your own. Fuck this. He had a little hope of glass. He went, okay, you know what? This show's promise. The show's promise. And then you saw it and went, God damn it. <laughs> that or he was like a robot built by, you know, Warner Brothers to be like the perfect, you know, they gave him like a little piece of Hitchcock's brain, a little piece. <laughs> and a little bit of Spielberg. Yeah, a little bit of like DNA from filmmaking's greatest storytellers. And they're like, I gonna be amazing but then after you know the first few movies the brain tissue deteriorated and he's just been kind of phoning it in and they can't admit he's a robot because too many questions <laughs> <laughs> oh god i really thought hard on this question uh i for me like i'll, I'll get into this because i definitely want to talk about i know we were texting when i was watching the happening but i really want to talk about the dialogues more to put on philgasm recording uh um, how I've always like viewed his career in my head when it comes to his films because I think besides like a few films I I haven't seen everything. Like maybe I don't think I've I have actually not sat through all of Lady in the Water yet. I need to, but I have tried in the past. Um, but kind of like how I view his career is like for me, right? Sixth Sense and Unbreakable 
damn near flawless. I can sit there and watch those movies at like any time. Love both those movies. <laughs> Signs and the visit, I think, are really strong up until their twist. I am in that camp on both those films where like the twist kind of undo it for me. Besides that, I think they're strong for that. I I'm with everyone with that scaring signs at the birthday party being one of the best fucking of all time. It's great. Blue has a lot of great moments, but uh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you said the village, um, not the visit, right? I'm I'm sorry, the village. Okay. The village? I was about to be like, what? That's a great twist. But then you're like, no, no, village, no, sorry. The village. <laughs> sorry, the village. And that's because I think and you guys mentioned it when you were doing um signs like he got so reliant on twists. It felt like with signs in the in the village, he was shoehorning a twist in there that didn't fucking need it in the movie. Like Unbreakable and uh, Sixth Sense work. Their twists work because you can watch the rest of the film and go, "Oh shit!" Like it was laid out throughout the film. You just didn't see it until the end. That's the point of a twist. You're supposed to. It's yeah. not supposed to be out of nowhere. There's supposed to be clues. Yeah, but like in signs, when you find out, oh, they're trying to invade a planet that's seventy percent water, and it's what kills them, and you're like, okay, wait, what? Yeah, and the then the, the village, aliens are fucking stupid. Yeah, and then the twist in the village is like it takes place tomorrow day. What was the hint in that? Yeah. Um, so like that's what happened there, and then for me, like yeah, from Lady and Raw to After, just bad. Like they were just bad movies. I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I like. I personally really like the visit a lot. I think the twist does work really well in that one. Um, Split was great again with him doing that again. It was like, okay, we're firing here again. I'm a defender of Glass, and a lot of people don't like it. I don't mind it. Um, but yeah, then I fell off again with old, and I'm very hesitant with this new one. But um, yeah, in regards to his dialogue, uh, I know we were texting when I was watching the happening, but. It amazes me, truly, truly. Like, and it was hitting me so hard when I was watching the happening. I'm like, how is it? And like you said, even in his good films, yeah, like Signs and Unbreakable and Six Sense have great dialogue, but even then, there are moments where they are talking to people weird. I'm like, does he just assume people talk like this, or is he just like, well, is my artistic flourish? Well, your artistic flourish sucks, Sharon. Here's the here's what he's doing though is he's writing. A movie. He's not writing believable conversation. He's writing a movie. That's what you know. Like uh, when Austin and I talked about this, um, and you were there too, I believe. Uh, the dialogue in Jaws. You know, people talking over each other, believable conversation. That's a good. That's good writing. You, you want to have. You know, if the conversation is not believable, you're not going to get sucked into the movie because you're going to be very aware that you're watching a movie. And Shyamalan has always done that. He ne- he can't quite nail believable conversation because he he can't help but make it sound you know like almost Shakespearean in the way he presents the dialogue he's like aren't I a great writer like every time yeah and it's just funny because it's like dude just write a belief it's not hard like to me and I'm not saying like writing's easy writing is fucking hard like anyone that thinks it's easy why aren't you getting paid for it yourself just saying (laughs) um a tweet's a lot easier to do than writing dialogue. But even then, like, it, if you're a professional writer, right, you get paid to write. I feel like dialogue at some point, at some damn point in your career, should just be easy because you do, you converse every single day of your life. How can you not figure out how to write fucking dialogue at some point? Like, I, it boggles my mind. And um, I was actually talking to, jo- uh, talking to Josh about it one day. 
um, when it came to Shyamalan. And he and he made a good point. I'll give him credit on that one. The only time that the dialogue has ever worked in a Shyamalan film, usually aka in the good movies, is because the actors make it work, not because of his fucking writing, yeah. which is apparently shit. Um, because <laughs> I try not to shit on like directors, but just oh god, Shyamalan, dude. And I'm always seeing like the people come out and be like, oh, what an artistic genius he is. And I'm kind of like, oh, let's hold on. I bet you I'm going to watch it and I'll probably not be that impressed, but whatever. Um, most of the time that it works is because of the actors. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Tony Collette brings it in the sixth sense. Bruce Willis, to his credit, does bring it in the, in, you know, sixth sense and unbreakable um, in the movies he does. You know, uh, the dialogue and signs, it helps that, you know, and I, Guys, I know how we all feel about Mel Gibson, but this was back before he was controversial. Um, but Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix fucking deliver in that movie. You know, a Split is a great recent example with James McAvoy. Like, he crushed it in the role. So, like, the few times it when it works in a good film of his, to me, it's not because of Shyamalan. It's because the actors are bringing it. Yeah, because they'll go up to Shyamalan and be like, I don't know about this. Can we try some different things? And that's how we get a little bit of humanity into that, into those words. Because the actors are like, I can't say this shit in front of a camera and make it believable. I got to put something in here. I guarantee you that's what's happening. Oh, yeah. 100%. I guarantee you in the bad ones, it's, they just don't know, they don't want to do that. Like, like I said, I know Mark Wahlberg, like this was off of him kind of playing a lot of cops and quirks. We did this, so there's just a chance to play something different. But I'm sure you didn't really have the cloud to be like, hey, this doesn't sound right, dude. He was probably still kind of like, you know, yeah, not yet there in his career. You think Jeremy Strong wanted to say cheese and crackers? I don't think so. <laughs> but he, who was he in 2008? Now, yeah, he could have pulled to be like, I'm not saying this shit. But in 08, he's just happy to have some work. Yeah. And um, based off, you know, we haven't seen it yet as this recording. Um knock at the cabin like you know i've been seeing a lot of you say patisa has been getting singled out for his performance but again it sounds like if let's you know again let's just go and say again the dialogue's gonna be stilted let's just be honest like at this point that i i don't even have to see the movie know the dialogue's gonna be fucking stilted as shit and knock at the cabin but it sounds like dave patista being the good actor that he is is like no i can make this work i can make this believable if i just add my touch and look at it i've been seeing universal praise and good or bad reviews across the board on him. One day, Batista is going to be the first wrestler to be nominated for an Oscar, calling it right now. Uh, oh my God, yes. Well, he's not crazy like The Rock. Yeah. He's, you know, he, 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 what's the term? Aff- I want to, not affable, but like, he's easy. He's easy. Yeah. He's not pulling a lot of shady shit to make his character, um, Change the hierarchy of DC, which it didn't. Suck it, Snyder fanboys. Suck it. Well, Knock at the Cabin's currently rocking a 72% score, as we're talking right now. Uh, Could dip, could rise. Not yet released officially. We will find out tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know, that that to me is, in, in the case of, like, his good stuff, when it's worked. Now, the only thing that can never really be fixed and um, is how life apparently works in general in Shyamalan films. I don't think he knows how life works either. Like um, having shit like in old when the kid kept introducing people and saying like, I do this. My name is this. What do you do? And what is your name? That's not how people greet each other. It's not how that works. <laughs> A lot of the, uh, the letterbox reviews of The Happening kept saying it's like an AI engine wrote a movie. 
And that that's the best description of Shyamalan's weird writing tick that I could find. It has to be. You know, it's funny you say that, right? When that whole like chat AI thing has been like all over the news this past week. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have to wonder if like I look, my only belief nowadays is that Shyamalan's a robot. Actually, so you know how I came up with this question? I was sitting there thinking, like, how the fuck am I going to ask a question for this dumbass movie? Because it sucks. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. That conversation I have with Connor. We're going to make it, put basically just put it on Beyond the Bad. And that's how I came up with this. <laughs> Beautiful. Very thought-provoking. Very cathartic. This week I've gotten to just, you know, expel all my shit about M. Night Shyamalan. All the positive stuff I got to throw into signs and later the Sixth Sense uh this weekend and all the negative shit which is what it mostly is here so yeah it's nice i just i think it's funny that for me i start out real negative here and then i get to be doing the sixth sense and get to be positive yeah gotta have that balance otherwise we'll go fucking insane yeah i'm look i'm already going insane trying to figure out if shamalan whatever just how this got the enigma of fucking filmmaking <sighs> so on that yep on that note let's talk let's get move into developing i was trying to like at least save my line all right bah development hell let's talk about how this film came to light so after the critical and commercial failure of 2006's lady in the water Shyamalan struggled to sell his next spec script at that point called The Green Effect. So we did almost get like him being done. He was having issues getting this shit sold. Hollywood went, ooh, you flopped after being a string of hits. Ooh. Okay, so I don't agree with him not getting another chance after one flop, but after like five, yeah, it's time to hang it up. It do yeah, it's it's amazing to me that like this one movie they went, mm, but then after three they went, no, dude, we'll give you another movie. Uh, I don't get. I it. mean, granted, he did the visit with Blumhouse. I mean, technically, I wonder if he was having issues getting that off the ground after After Earth, because and this isn't a dig at Blumhouse or you know an overall awesome you know horror movie studio, but they're not one of the big leagues. No matter how much Jason Blum in his head wants to think they are, they're not Universal. They're not you know MGM or Paramount or anyone. Well, also you know they gave M Night. They're like, all right, how about this? We'll give you a found footage film, kind of cheap. If it fails, it's no skin off our ass. Just do your thing. I think that's what happened. But then it ended up being a hit, and people they were like, oh, okay. So we'll give you a budget. <laughs> and a bigger studio. <laughs> yeah. Twice, and then you'll fuck up again. Yeah. Uh, it was reported by January of 2007 that several studios had received the screenplay but none would express enough interest to purchase it. Well, also, I, I've seen the movie. This is not the film to bet your comeback on. <laughs> I mean, God, if he was shopping around, you know, Split or, or you know, The Visit or anything else, I would have, you know, then I could probably, he could expect some interest. But this thing, no. Yeah, I, I get why students were like, this doesn't sound good at all. Uh, well, due to this, Shyamalan began taking notes and collecting ideals from meetings before returning home to Philadelphia to write his script. 
because if you guys don't know, Shyamalan is of Philadelphia origins. Also, for those who actually like good filmmaking, George A. Romero. He's Pittsburgh. Is he Pittsburgh? Yeah. Right? I thought he was Philly. Pretty sure it's pretty sure Romero was I almost I'm almost positive it was Philly. I'm gonna look this up. And also Mall is in Philadelphia, dude. I hope one day to see M. Night Shyamalan on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. How has that not happened yet? Uh, because he probably thinks he's better than the show. No, um, he's not. <laughs> they are way better that? than him. Yeah, you see, Kaylin Olson. Uh, she tweeted that they're finally filming season sixteen, so we're about to get it. That's great. Yes, something that I actually look forward to. Are you looking that up? I won't continue. Um, but I'm almost positive Philly with George Romero. Um, what was it? Oh, yes. So this would cost the film to be purchased as the happening. That's yeah, the title changed. By 20th Century Fox, down those 20th Century Studios, because it got bought by Disney in uh, March 2007. Often acknowledged as a famous Pittsburgher, <laughs> George Romero. Oh. Yeah. Ah, I'm pretty sure I thought it was Philly. I think it's because Monroeville Mall. I'm pretty sure is in Philly. In Monroeville, or Monroeville, whatever Pennsylvania. They they destroy robots that are hitchhiking. Take the L, Caleb. Take the L. No. <laughs> Digging the hole deeper. <laughs> the only one that's going to get mad is Josh. Nah, nah, I don't care. Uh-huh. So, oh, oh, yeah. So by March 2007, it would get purchased by 20th Century Fox as a happening with Mark Rauberg already on board to star and a release date set for June 2008. Couldn't find anything in between. They're saying how he went from like barely being able to sell this thing to like, I took notes. And here it is, and I have a star and a release date set, but here we are. Dude, this is the version with notes. What the hell did the first draft look like? I want to know. And also, like, why did why I can't Shamalon? Like, how dead set was he on his original script? Be like, you know, let me take notes from human beings on how people do things, and maybe I can assimilate and make people think I'm not a robot. I'm sticking with my theory that he's a robot. It's not changing. Well, that Mark Wahlberg was just like, I, have to pl- I want to play a science teacher. Not a cop. Not a criminal. Science. <laughs> Come on. Exactly like that. That's how he said it. Oh, yeah. In case you know, for context, this was 2008, Mark Wahlberg. He was like on the cusp of like really breaking out movies-wise. He was uh, already so- Academy Award nominee Mark Wahlberg, which still just irks me. Yeah. So he was literally like, I mean, obviously, he had Marky Mark. We all know that. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. But thanks to the Academy Award, I mean, he was like becoming a hot ticket item at this point, movie-wise. Yeah. So having him on board was like, holy shit. Um, but, God, his performance. Um, oh, uh, Shyamalan would also describe this film as a 1960s paranoia film similar to The Birds and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Now... I know you've seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I have seen Birds when I was a child. I have not watched it, even though I own it now because my Hitchcock set. Yes. But uh, did you um, did you see any of that when you watched this film? Uh, we got cocktails with it, but we never got anywhere with it. It's very much like, you know, he toys around with the idea of like, oh, people are attacking each other, but they just kind of mention that, and then we go to a farmhouse. Yeah, so I think he felt he was making his own 
body snatchers, but he didn't run that by anybody. I don't think so. I'm sure the marketing just went, yeah, sure, say that, Shaman. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever we knew to sell this thing. <laughs> I get the vibe studios treat M. Night Shyamalan the way they, that parents treat their young kid when he draws something. They're like, wow, you did this all on your own? This is, wow, that's amazing. We're going to put it right here up on the fridge for everybody to see. I feel like they do that to M. Night. Like, wow, you got another one? Ooh, wow, this is spooky. <laughs> We're going to produce this right here. And it's everyone's going to see it. You're going to do great. <laughs> Something about, ooh, that's just spooky. <laughs> got me. <laughs> ooh. But, yeah, I look, I... I probably should. I need a bust on my Hitchcock side and kind of go through it one day when I got time. Um, but admittedly, uh, my my first couple of days of leave that I've taken, um, I was catching up on Brandon Cronenberg in time for Infinity Pool. So I was like immersing myself in Cronenberg, um, his three films. So that's my excuse. And now Scanner Rank is on Shutter, and I'm probably going to take the time to sit down and watch the love it or hate it film of the year, aka of January. Um, and see how that is. Yeah, please watch that before I show up. I'm not sitting through that thing again. Oh, you're, I'm so tempted to make you shit. I'm kidding. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I've. Oh God, that's. Oh, I'm probably going to do that like tomorrow. Make some time. Uh, so this is pretty significant. As most people know, Shyamalan only likes making PG-13 films because God bless, he does anything transgressive. So this film would also be significant as being Shyamalan's, at the time only, now being broken thanks to Knock at the Cabin, uh, his first R-rated project as a director, as I stated, generally 6 PG-13. Um, that would be cool if the film embraced it more, but whatever. Yeah, I honestly didn't realize this was rated R until you just brought that up. I thought this was PG-13 because of how many times they, like, he avoided showing something controversial. Or they never even drop a fuck. Not even once. No fuck and like a little bit of blood. A guy gets like run over by a lawnmower and we don't even get to see it. Yeah. I'm like, Shyamalan, it's okay to make R-rated fairs. Like, but I think again, okay, going back to like, you know, in case anyone, you know, we have if we have any younger listeners at a time, I know now it probably seems funny because you know about his career. Uh, but for you younger listeners out there. There was a time after the sixth sense that this man was called the next Spielberg. Let that one sink in. Let it sink in. I wonder, and this is where my theory is going. So I'll see if you want to, you can, you can attach a latch on sister or not up to you. But I think in his head, because he got called that, he was like, mm, I can never make anything adult. I have to make things like Spielberg did. You know, let's keep in mind. Spielberg has the occasional R-rated film in his repertoire. I can Instantly to mind Chandler's list and fucking saving private Ryan for Christ's sakes. So he can go there for sure. And guess what? When he went or I've seen saving, I've seen both films. When he went or he went or um saving private Ryan, the fucking opening scene alone is fucking one of the most bloodiest goddamn things in a war movie. Um but it's like I my theory is that like he got so inflamed with that that he's like, I have to make things for everyone to watch because I am the next Spielberg. Well, with those, you know, with those first three movies, I mean, he got consistent praise. He was box office success. It was, it was basically, you know, writing his own golden ticket. And when you've got every trade in Hollywood calling you a genius, you're going to start to believe it yourself. And the work's going to 
become secondary because you're like, I can do anything. I am a god. Kneel before M. Night. And that's what, and then, you know, we see what ego does to people who get lucky. And I also kind of find it ironic because you know who ended up being the next Spielberg? Spielberg, because he's still making movies. (laughs) He went nowhere. (laughs) He's up for best director this year. Oh, yeah, for the Fablements, yeah. Yeah, which people are saying is like his, you know, ninth masterpiece. (laughs) So, yeah. You can't be the yeah, next. Like, any, you can't be the next somebody when that person's still working. <laughs> exactly, and you know it's fine. I know I've bitched about it before. Like I wish Bill could do more fun movies. I actually do kind of want to see the Fable Man. That one actually looked really good to me. Um, so I actually do want to check that one out if it ever becomes streamable somewhere. At least, at least Prime to rent at the very least. Um, yeah, I'm like Mac at the Italian market. I will not pay full price. Yeah, or it's only like the whole thing I know we were talking about because you have uh you have Clerks three. On your view, do because you bought the movie. It's not that like I did not want to buy it and support it on like Prime. I'm like, look, I haven't seen it before. Like, let me at least rent it first. Give me the option. So I still haven't seen Bones and all because you can only still buy it on Prime. I'm like, give me the fucking rent option so I can rent this goddamn movie. We'll <laughs> like, go down eventually. They will. They will go down when you know other stuff starts replacing the new releases. We'll be able to get them for under ten bucks. Yeah. So. Yeah, in case anyone's wrong, I've not seen Bones at all because I'm waiting for Amazon to let me rent it instead of just only buying it. Um, But, uh, yeah, but with this writing thing, like, look, and I stand by it before anyone comes at me about, like, oh, you know, I've, I know I've said it before on this show and other shows, like, rating shouldn't matter. By all means, like, again, we've talked about Shannon's made really fucking good PG-13 movies. Um, But I'm, I'm one of those that if you're going to do an R-rated film, if you're saying, hey, look, I'm mostly known for this rating in general with my films in any, anyway, and I'm going to go for a higher rating, I'm going to go for this adult thing, fucking go for it. Like I said, even Spielberg, who, for the most part, Close Encounters, Shaw's, uh, Amlin fucking movies in the 80s, like E.T. and shit, like, you know, Indiana Jones, like, a lot of his stuff is PG, PG-13. But when he did when he did Saving Fire Ryan and he went for that R rating, he fucking went for it. Like Saving Fire Ryan is a gruesome fucking movie. Schindler's List is it's a great film, and I recommend everyone watch it at least once, but it's a fucking hell of a movie to sit through. Um, so he goes for it, and it's like so Shamelon, if you're going to give it this R rating, and it at the time be your only one again, knock the cabin currently now made it his is it's his second one, so this is his first one fucking go for it like don't sit there make me go like you could have made this pg-13 so like what at this point it just felt like a marketing ploy to be like look Shyamalan's going or get your butts in it's like the studio had to find a reason to get people into the theater so they went Shyamalan already film look go see it please yeah I think you're onto something uh it's just weird to see a subdued r-rated film I mean if you've got the r-rating why are you holding yourself back I don't yes. And you know, I again, I haven't seen him, but I have seen a lot of reviews from Knock at the Cabin say he does the same bullshit with Knock at the Cabin, apparently. I've heard a lot of reviews say, like, he holds back. Like, all the, the violence and stuff happens off screen. I'm like, why rate it or then? Why? Dude, who are you trying to impress at this point? You've got your fans, and then you've got everyone else. Like, you're not going to win anyone over. Just do your thing. Just do your thing your way. Stop trying to act like you're you know, trying to impress anybody. It's, I, I don't get it. Yeah. That's why like, uh, you know, again, just kind of like, you know, I know this is Apple oranges, but just kind of support this argument here. 
Megan, right? The big hot one of that was originally written as R-rated was apparently filmed R-rated, but came out PG-13. The difference, though, is that they re-edited that to make it PG-13. And guess what? I just saw a scoop saying, like, yes, they, and even a Kelly Cooper and all of them said, the home video release, they're including the uncut version. So guess what? Yeah, that that's the difference, though, is that one, they edit to make sure that this time, hey, if we're going to go PG-13 instead, let's actually make it work. So they went out of the way to make sure it worked as a PG-13 film with the planned uncut release for home video, just like they did with Live Fear or Die Hard. Yeah, it's kind of a shitty move that they did for that, but hey, they edited to make it work as a PG-13 film and then offered the actual more, you know, R-rated shenanigans we wanted later. Whereas with this, it's like you're saying, it's like the whole, he's holding back, saying like, hey, it's rated R, but I'm still going to hold back. Yeah, nonsensical. And it didn't help anybody. Yeah. No. it uh, So... That's that's my rant on the writing. It's if you're gonna go for it, fucking go for it. Ah, film, the film though, as I talked about, Shyamalan modest uh, budgets, and again, that's why I need to point out the thing about Mark Rawberg because at this point he was still relatively cheap to have in your movie. Now, probably not so much. He probably asked for a pretty hefty price, but there's a difference between 2023 Mark Rawberg and 2008 Mark Rawberg. Um, 2023 Marky Mark found God. So I wonder if that upped or like did that increase or de- decrease his price? It probably decreased. I forgot about the Father Stew movie. God damn it. Did I hire Mark Wahlberg? Probably. Yeah. You know, I really liked him when he was doing like comedies like Ted and stuff, and like he was just embracing his fucking persona. That was he was fun then. Now he's all about oh Jesus. <laughs> That always seems to happen to some to every actor at least once they have their their faith era. Yeah. Uh well, because of that that modest box office, and again, because they were only at that point we were only slightly distraught at Lady in the Water, the film would go on to be a box office success. I think uh I would I don't have it on me, but it was sitting at like two, three hundred million, somewhere around there. It was a it was a box office success. What the fuck? Really? Yes, I looked it up. It was a hit. A lot of people went to go see this movie. That is wow. Yeah. 48 to 60 million dollar budget, 163 million gross. Yep. Oh, that's that's sad. Yeah. So box office hit now, not his usual box office. So there's definitely some like, what the fuck is this word of mouth happening? Cause people not to go, but still at that point, enough of his name to make people go, oh, a new Shamalon movie and radar. Let's go see it. Um so again, box office despite, and now this this next bit I have is according to Deadline Hollywood. So let's take a grain of salt, but I like it. Uh, marketing, which was negatively targeted by several media outlets, she began actively rooting for the film's failure. So apparently, critics at this point were saying, "No, we're done with you, Shyamalan. This film better flop." Damn, they really turned against him fast. <laughs> yeah. Now look, I know I. Like have plenty of directors or actors I've I've shit on. I'm currently having my own my own crisis in a in a musical artist that I grew up loving as a kid because apparently he's a fucking monster that rapes minors. Fuck you, Marilyn Manson. Um, but with that, I would never actively attempt to just root for someone's failure because I just don't think they're good at their job. It's one thing when they do a heinous crime like Marilyn Manson, but just because I don't like their work. Well, and also 
it was one movie. Like at the time, it was just one movie that bombed, and everyone was like, "Well, that's you fucked forever." Like I get it if you're talking about this after, like you know, After Earth, then it's like, yeah, just go away. But one movie, give the man a chance. I mean, I didn't you know I hated him after all that shit. I didn't hate him immediately. Yeah, no. It, after these, it was like after probably. I think after this movie that I kind of started going, okay, I don't think I like his movies anymore. Yeah, just geez, but I never like. I never go see it to think like, oh, this will be the one that finally, you know, fucks him away. No, I'm there thinking, I hope this one doesn't suck. I'm always like, maybe this will be the one. Because, you know, I had that with Split. When I saw Split, I was like, holy shit, this is fantastic. Is he back? That was my reaction. It wasn't like, oh, shit, he got another one. This one's good. Crap, we're going to deal with him forever. Like, who thinks like that? Yeah, that's just weird to me. And like, look, I know I've made obviously my piece on how I feel about things like um, more thinking of more popular film show recently, um, Top Gun Maverick and the new Avatar. I may have my feelings about Tom Cruise personally, and I may not have been as enamored by Top Gun Maverick as like everyone else, apparently, but I'm not actively rooting for his fucking failure. I wasn't sitting there going, damn, Top Gun Maverick, I was playing, fuck me, more Tom Cruise. I'm like, no, I'm like, hey, you know what? Good for him. Like he was trying, he's been working on this film for a fucking long time. It's a big hit. People like it. Good for him. Not my cup of tea, personally. That's how I viewed it, right? I might want James Cameron to keep the hell out of Pandora and do other shit, but am I rooting for the fucking failure of Avatar? No. Like, hey, he had his success. He's going to make more Avatar films and do what he wants. Sweet. Good for him. Just not my personal favorite thing he's doing. That's like, that's fine. You can have that, but to, like I said, like you're saying, like to sit there and be like, damn it, it's a success. Fuck. Like, what? I've never thought that about a movie. I mean, even if it's something I don't like, it's like, well, I'll just, you know, I didn't care for that. And then move on. I don't, I'm not like, you know, why did this win? Why did something I don't like? Why is that successful? It's me, 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 me. Who thinks like that? Fucking nut yeah, job. Like, exactly. Like, I mean, as the time of this recording, I haven't watched it yet. It, we're recording this on Thursday, so it just hit Shutter. When I watch Skin Rink, if I don't like it, I'm not going to be like, Man, fuck, why was this film, why was this really low-budget independent film successful? Fuck me, it sucks. Like, no, I'm still going to sit there and be like, look, I didn't like it, but I do champion, hey, a low-budget, feature, like, feature film debut, horror film that cost $15,000, like, or something like that, was a huge hit. I mean, like, $1 million. I will still celebrate that. That's fucking great. Hell yeah. Because at the end of the day, even if I don't like it, the bigger picture is what I'm looking at, like, hey, I mean, I like it, but that's a good thing for independent horror that this was a huge hit at the at the at the box office. Like, hell yeah. Yeah, that's exactly the approach I took. Movie wasn't my cup of tea. Had a couple moments that freaked me out, but overall I found it very weird and avant-garde and boring. But you know, I wrote that up. I was like, eh, not didn't care for it. I'm not like, you know, attacking the guy on Twitter, being like, How could you ever do something to offend me like this? No, I'm like, you know, I like I think he's got some cool ideas and I, I want to see what he can do with the budget. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, it. And then day, like you know, it's not not just about what you like. It's the bigger the bigger picture, right? I I don't as we talked here. I'm not the biggest into some of Shyamalan's movies, but when he hits, I'm glad there's successes. I'm absolutely glad he has like hits and good films he's coming out with. We've got oh, a oh, we got a full blown compliment sandwich happening this week. We got signs which we, which Colton and I liked. We got the happening. We didn't care for that. And then we're finishing off with the sixth sense, which we really liked. So 
you know, I think we're doing, I think, I think we're doing just fine here. Yeah. So the, the, the more of the story audience is don't be like these media outlets. You were actively rooting for the film's failure. Like, Hey, you don't like, it, you don't like it. That's fine. Just calm down. Also DC fanboys, with how you're acting ever since you were even more slapped in the face, knowing that Snyder is done. Yeah. There's a plan in place of his bullshit now. Yeah, so get on board or shut the fuck up. Yeah, and guess what? Personally, I'm all for James Gunn's plan. I am so goddamn excited. Horror movie swamp thing, James Mangold being courted, mm. getting the authority like cool shit coming. It's you yeah. know, James Gunn's got the magic touch when it comes to obscure comic book characters. Oh, my god, yes, creature commandos. I know nothing about, but I'm already sold on title and what the characters look like already. That sounded neat. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, so I'm gonna watch all of it, all the shows, all the movies, and just enjoy good, you know, hopefully good quality shit, which is all I'm ever after, regardless of genre or you know whoever's in it, whoever's making it. I just want something good. Exactly. Now to make this work with our whole more here, am I going to sit there and sh- well take away what people have liked in the DC films? No. At the end of the day, like, no, the Starverse, not my thing. I don't really care for it, but if you like it, you like it. Awesome power to you. True, but most of the people who like it aren't satisfied until you also say you like it, or you can go straight to hell. Yeah, yeah. You, The toxic people, you you suck. Yeah. Uh, there's no more there. Your toxic fandom fucking sucks. Screen 5 had a whole thing about great, great take on it. Um, Critics, on the other hand, when this came out, unlike the audience that made it a box office success, would not be so kind. As we talked about, they were pretty harsh on this film. When it came out, I need to stress this enough because it's going to get weird. When it came out. So, while Shyamalan would try to save face by claiming he was trying to make an excellent B-movie, his words, before the film's release, he would later claim some responsibility for the way the movie turned out in 2019. So I first tried to say face being like, no, I was trying to make a great B movie guys. You're not allowed to refer to your own work as excellent without sounding like an arrogant prick. Yeah. Yeah. And just the fact that he's trying, it's like, no, this was clearly like someone at Fox. It's like, Hey dude, this movie blows. Um, we need you to say some kind of statement to try to save face here. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of studios having a guy like a fixer guy whose job it is to tell fragile ego filmmakers that their movies are bad. I would be that guy. Do you know how much I would love that job? Like George Clooney and up in the air, but for Hollywood. That would be the best. <laughs> I 100% see myself in that position. I feel like I just would be every opportunity I would get. Oh, you want me to go talk to Tom Cruise and bring him down a peg? Got it. Let's go. Ah! <laughs> Oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be well, more people need that, right? That's fine. Hey, look, Shamon, buddy, sit down. Okay, so we reviewed the dailies of this damn movie. Um, it's not good, okay? Not good, not one bit. I'm not even gonna sugarcoat it. So, we need you to do we have the statement prepared, we need you to say it. You don't have to, that's fine, but we also know you're married with two children, so like, just keep that in mind if you say no. That we know that and know where they are currently located. Not that we were doing anything. But we just need you to keep that in mind. Here's the statement. Go ahead. I'm waiting on the yes. 
You want to see some dead people? Say no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just him trying to be like, well, they just didn't get it, which is where I feel this is treading. So when he when he claimed the responsibility, right, in 2019, well over a decade after this film came out, and he was facing greatness again with Split and all that stuff, he's like, oh, I'm on top of the world again. Um, he did this mainly by claiming that it was meant to be a uh, what was meant to be a consistent kind of farce humor turned out to be inconsistent. See, that's the kind of thing you're supposed to realize on the day and yell for a second take, M. Night. That's what a director does. <laughs> a director realizes in production, this isn't going too well. We got to restructure some shit, and then you make your move. See. M Knight, your titles and your job title explains it all. Really, a director directs. So if you tell this is inconsistent, maybe make it consistent. Yeah, director directs, producer produces, writer kneels. Knee pads. Uh, <laughs> Regrettably, that's how it works. Yeah. So that's what he tried saying. Like, hey, I did. You know, it was an inconsistent kind of force humor. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like how he is turning around trying to say like I was trying to be humorous and almost be funny with my type of B movie. Like, no, you purposely wrote a shitty film and are trying to save face. I love that someone brought this up like during his like return to the to the top, and he's like, I got the visit, I got split. People are looking forward to Glass. Things can be better. And somebody's like, Remember the happening? <laughs> we people don't forget. We haven't forgotten. We haven't <laughs> forgotten him. The whole like, I feel like he is consistently like attacked by anime fans who will never forgive him for the last Airbender. Oh, dude, I I that's in one. I yeah, keep doing it because that show is one of the most acclaimed cartoons to ever be made. Like it has a fan base for apparently very good reasons. I'm parts great, and they got hurt so bad on that movie and i do feel truly sorry for that fan base yeah ouch you're just hoping netflix doesn't fuck them again with uh what they're building right now i'm kind of scared with that because they originally had the original creators of the show of the cartoon on board for that for that netflix thing and they left because of creative differences they uh, bounced out no there it goes sorry avatar fans the real avatar fans we apologize yeah, so it looks like you, I mean, hey, you still got the cartoon, luckily, but it looks like it's just almost nothing else coming out of that is turning into gold. Uh, it's now turning into- it's turning into shit. Um, uh, that was what Shamalan was saying. Now, Mark Rawberg would have some things to say, especially as he got more clout. So this is nice. And he would be, before because this was pre religious Rawberg, so he'd be a lot more just straight up and honest. And he straight up said it was a bad movie. And he seemed mainly attracted uh, to the role, thanks to it just not being a cop or quirk for once. Because as we talked about at this point, that's mainly mainly what he was known for playing. So I I kind of see in his case like, okay, hey, it's something different. Let me let me do it. Right. I, I get that as like I don't want to get typecast. I don't want to play the same thing over and over. Let me try this. And at the time, again, it was one bad M Night movie. So it was like, well, it's an M Night Shyamalan movie. You know what I mean? Like this guy's on the Sixth Sense, The Village, like. Didn't 
Didn't Wahlberg follow this with the other guys where he plays a cop and contraband where he plays a crook? Yeah. I think this I think this movie uh, deterred all that. Yeah, because no one, the most unbelievable part of the movie about trees making people kill themselves is Mark Wahlberg as a science teacher. So, yeah, I get it. He probably thought, like, hey, you know what? Schwarzenegger could play a kindergarten teacher. I can do this. Schwarzenegger is playing a cop playing a kindergarten a teacher. teacher. <laughs> also, a kindergarten cop. Great movie. Yeah. You know, he still keeps in touch with those kids. I've heard about that. Yeah. He said that's his favorite movie he ever did. That is, you know what? I like that. I like hearing that. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. People don't really have positive things to say about Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> No, they don't. I I've not heard nice things. He's one of those like, you know, kind of like what Marquine Phoenix last week when we talked about I'm so here. We're like, I like him as an actor. Like, I like a decent chunk of his movies. I just get. I don't like him as a as a person. And when I say like I like a decent chunk of his movies, usually his comedies when he seems to like have zero issues at the time, kind of playing against his persona and you know having some goofy fun with it. Um, I like him a lot. Most of the movies I've liked that he did, that he has done, I I did not like because of his involvement. They just happened to be good movies he was a part of, such as Boogie Nights or The Departed. Fair, you know, I actually thought he was really good in Boogie Nights. I also thought he was really good in The Fighter. I liked him a lot in The Fighter. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was all right in The Fighter. I think he was being outshined by everybody else. I see, and I I disagree. I think he was just as good. I think you guys have blinders to uh, Christian Bell. Uh, Way better. Like, by a lot. No, Mark Rober was right up there with him. In the I fighter. mean, just in general, as an actor. I mean, yeah, it's Christian Bell. But... You compare those bodies of work, that's a, that's a knockout. Yeah, let's see what you did there. But Mark Rober, I still really like him, a fighter. I thought he was pretty damn good in that. When, he, when he tries things outside of cops or crooks and it's not a comedy it's usually not bad but now he's all religious it from a movie where i believe he played a crook i, I think i think it probably yeah he starts out a crook and then yeah god damn yep. it all right well still on the mock robert nerd this will kind of are you ready to hear who uh was um going to originally play a certain character oh please Oh, yeah. So he would even go so far to say that Amy Adams, who was originally approached to play the role of Alma, Zoe Deschanel's character, but she declined, had dodged a bullet. Thank God. Yes. She absolutely dodged a bullet. Uh, but to be fair, there's no actor who could make that character work. No, I mean, I probably would have liked Amy Adams more because I'll say right now, I've never liked Zoe Deschanel like everyone else does. Same. Same. Finally, somebody else. Oh my god, I'm not alone on this hot take. Like, I acting wise, looks wise, because everyone falls. I'm like, I, I don't fucking see it. I don't get it. Yeah, I think her sister's better, even though she never paid Peter Parker for those pizzas. I think she's better. Yeah, and you know it's funny. I don't even really like her that much because my mom was like obsessed with Bones when I was a kid, and she thought she was like so great in Bones and this beautiful one. I was like, I, I was like, neither one does anything to, for me. Like I just, I didn't. No, I feel like uh, Zoe Deschanel became like 
you know, that typecast is like the manic pixie dream girl thing that everyone was like, oh my God, she's she's so hot and she would play video games with me. Whereas I was just like, I don't get it. Like she's she's kind of a bad. She's kind of I've heard bad things about her as a person, and I don't think her performances are that great. And yeah. you need one of those two for to work with me here. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I've never I literally I I thought I was alone on that island. So many times people are like, oh my god, so I'm just going like I don't doesn't do anything for me. I don't get it. I do not understand it. Nope. Oh, oh, oh good. Glad we're not, not alone. <laughs> uh one more person who badmouthed this film. Uh Christian Conley. Um, she played a small role in the beginning. She was one of the two ladies sitting on the bench before, you know, yeah. bad shit happens. Um, she's since disowned this film and claims to hate it, refusing to talk about it whenever it's asked in like interviews or something. Like she will just won't discuss it. Makes you wonder, huh? That doesn't sound like I was in a bad movie. That sounds like I had a bad experience. So I wonder what happened there. Yeah, that I was like, holy shit. Like I, I know plenty of actors are like they've been in bad movies and yeah, they don't really like to talk about it, but you know, they'll make a joke or two eventually over the years but to this day it just refuses like nope not talking about it mm. i think something yeah. happened had to because again she's only in the beginning of the film because i remember when i saw that like little fact i was like i mean who the fuck was she and i typed it and it was like literally she was just in a then at the bench in the beginning of the movie but bad experience i guess no i'm just picturing her like about to do an interview with somebody and she's like now i will absolutely not talk about that movie I won't do it, so don't even bring it up. And I imagine the other person being like, okay, and uh, you are? Because <laughs> I, I don't know who this person is. I remember her in the movie, but I couldn't tell you anything else she was in. Yeah, I uh, I like the idea of, like, for any interview show, she just writes. Because, you know, a lot of times when they do the interviews, they get, like, told beforehand what they're going to get asked so they can kind of prep their answers. Yeah. Um, She just writes on her thing, like, don't ask about that. She doesn't even name it, that movie. I was just like, what fucking movie? I don't, I don't, what was she in? <laughs> yeah, gotta call that Hollywood fixer guy to knock her down a few pegs. Be like, look, lady, nobody remembers you. So maybe just talk about the one movie people <laughs> recognize. Right, look, no one knows you. No one else even likes this movie. So like, calm the hell down. Just talk about it. Jesus, you're in the opening scene for like two minutes. All right. <laughs> you say two lines, maybe at most. Something about your bicycle, or that might have been that. That was the guy at the end. She was talking about. I don't fucking remember. I don't remember. Um. So now this part's gonna blow your mind because again, this is like the weird cult of Shyamalan that has gone away with being fanboys for you, but they get away under the radar because, admittedly, to their credit, they're not toxic. I'll give them that much. Apparently, there is a contingency of people that just will praise anything he does. So, I say that because there has been a small contingent of people who have attempted to reevaluate more recently the film as a B-movie masterpiece, which most audiences didn't get. Yeah, Ed Wood got away with that. M. Night's not going to get away with it. Yep. I, there was a whole thing, if you look on the Wikipedia, a whole thing about that. A whole section of re-evaluation of the B-movie. So apparently, they're going to be like, no, we just didn't get it when it came out, guys. Like, it's actually a genius... T- like, no, it's a bad movie. 
look, I get, you know, I'm all about like films find their audience. There's plenty of films I like. I know people are just not going to get into. Um, but sometimes it's okay that not every single film 10 years or later gets reevaluated as a fucking classic that we didn't understand. It's okay not to do that on every single fucking movie. It's okay that some are just bad. See, I feel like that takes away from the actual classics. It's, you know, not every movie's going to work. And going back and saying that something's a masterpiece just so you sound special is some horseshit. Some movies suck. It's just the fact of life. Not everything in life's going to be great. Sometimes things don't work out. Sometimes things get fucked up. You know, leave them in the past and move on. Stop trying to say like, no, you just, you got to see it this way. It's like, no, people don't want to see it at all. That was the problem. Yeah. And like, look, before anyone comes at me, I know obviously the, the one you like to bring up with me is Spookies. The difference between like Spookies and like this is that I go into Spookies knowing this film is bad. This is not a good movie. But there is something about its badness that's entertaining to me that I can go back and watch and just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? And have a good time. I can't do that with this. And it's the fact that they're not saying like, hey, it's bad, but like we kind of like it. I can get that. I have plenty of movies I know like are inherently just bad, but I enjoy. And there's plenty of films in the horror genre that have done that. And it's awesome. You know, they get rediscovered and find a whole new audience. And that is great. But to try to now turn this around with this and say like, no, 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 it's not bad, guys. It's actually really good. Like, no, fuck you. Let's calm down. The key is self-awareness. You got to be aware that what you're watching is bad. And but if you find something in it, you know, Batman and Robin, for instance, I love watching Batman and Robin. I am aware it's a piece of shit movie, but it makes me laugh and I liked it as a kid. So I enjoy watching it, but I'm not going to try to convince anybody that it's a masterpiece because <laughs> it's not. That's yeah. that's what you need. That's the big thing that they're missing. Yeah. And then, like you know, the same thing with Spooky. Like, I know I'll give you shit for not liking it, but like, I get it. Like, it wasn't your cup of tea. That's fine. I'm still going to go back and watch it as much as I want. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to sit there and try to convince people. No, you actually just don't get it, man. It's really this. No, Spookies is a fucking film that got started filming for one thing, stopped. They had to hurry up and finish the damn thing. So they filmed something completely different and matched it all together. It's not good. I just happen to enjoy it. Well, I'm putting it on record. The Happening is a bad movie, and anyone who says otherwise is blind or stupid. Yeah. So yeah, I like so that's the that's the difference. Like it's okay if you like a bad movie. That is fine. Don't try to tell me it's actually good and it's because I don't get it. Fuck you. I think it's bad. Don't piss on my head and tell me it's rain. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I don't like golden showers, okay? Now even with that small contingent of people, why other than after earth? The happening mostly continues to reign supreme as the worst film of Shane Lawson's filmography. Again, now after after Earth is out in the wild, and that one kind of is neck and neck with the happening. But so sorry for the small contingent that are trying to convince everyone on this planet that it's a secretly a masterpiece. It's not working. Um, and this would be, like I said at the beginning, the one which would effectively cause the star project to dramatically drop until the release of the visit in 2015. When that was at least the modest hit. Yeah. And even then I was like, this isn't great, but you know, yeah. That was kind of my reaction to the visit. Like, I know. I remember you know. were kind of like, like, I remember when you told me, you were like, yeah, it's okay. And then I was like, dude, I really like this movie. I think I liked it a lot more than you did. 
But I wasn't. As, I know you were grossed out by like the diaper thing, which I wasn't as grossed out by. Yeah, I already saw your face. Yeah, it was it was a diaper that did it for you. Yeah, didn't care for that. Didn't need to see that. Didn't like that. I like split. Split was my for me. That's his real comeback. I like split too, but I'm not gonna tell you about the visit as like the return to like him finally giving us something good for once. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's actually all I got on development hell. Um, would you like to add anything or should we move on to uh the awards? Move on. I think we've we've talked about this this travesty enough. <laughs> well, we're technically still not done because we gotta do awards, so I know, but now we get to mock it relentlessly, which I know we've been uh, doing, but I don't know. This feels more personal. <laughs> Fair enough. So first up. Zack Snyder, aka his his universe is over in DC, is about to have go get brought into the light. Um, the worst scene we got. Well, I picked a scene that I like to refer to as Mark Wahlberg talks to plants. <laughs> Almost, <laughs> had, I had this one ran down. Yeah, because it just kept making me think of that. I kept waiting for say hi to your mother for me. All right, but it didn't happen. Uh, he's just you know in the visitor center. And they're thinking it might be the trees. It's in the trees, man. And uh, there's a plant at the end of the room. And he gets like all panicked. And he goes up to him. And he's like, I'm talking to you with good vibes. We're going to be fine here. It's cool. You're a plant. I'm a guy. It's going to be great. I'm paraphrasing, but not that much. And eventually he's like, oh, it's plastic. I'm still talking to, I'm pla- talking to a plastic tree. I'm still doing it. And I'm like, was this supposed to be a serious movie or not? I can't tell. And this scene, like, just adds to that confusion it's ridiculous and you know it just kept making me think of mark Wahlberg talks to animals and yeah what's crazy is you could have made this scene funny if again mark Wahlberg knew how to make this person human you know what <laughs> i mean like have like an exaggerated like oh i'm an idiot i just talked to a fucking plant again embracing all rating um but it doesn't it just like you said he just keeps going and then he says the whole the realization is plastic he says exactly in the same tone he said as when he was talking to it and he thought it was real. So if that was supposed to be the punchline, it doesn't register because it's the same fucking tone of voice. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, but there were options. There's a lot of terrible scenes in this movie. There's so many options. That was a good one. I had that one run down amongst like, like at least probably five, ten others. But the one I went with, and I guess it's, it's more of a sequence, I guess, than a scene, if you really want to get into, like, the nitty semantics. But pretty much, like, the entire end at the at the old lady's house, I just could not stand. Like, I had so much shit right now, and then, like, everything taking place at that old lady's house, I was, like, livid at this point with the movie and wanted it to end. And, like, from her weird-ass reactions, when I'm thinking, like, man, the plants are fucking... They've they've leveled up and they're causing her emotions to be weird, but she is just the weirdest old lady. You have that weird scene. She's like, you're not going to murder me in my sleep. What? No, that's exactly how it's delivered, by the way. Um, to like her going out, talking to the plants. And then you thinking like, Oh shit, they leveled up. Now they're making other people kill people. But no, she's just doing the weirdest form of suicide. The plants could think of, um, then to the weird like you know they're stuck at different parts of the house like he's in the house she's at the shed and it this sequence is just like all nothing but bad it has the one of the worst jump scares um in 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 film history to me when like he tries to do the jump scare and she's like what are you doing in my room and like but it's because of like again 
Shannon apparently is a robot, doesn't know how cameras work. The camera editing is done so weird in that scene that like I'm just like, that's just weird. That's not even a jump scare. Yeah, that whole scene. And then it's like, once that's done, the movie's just kind of over. It's like, oh, by the way, it's over. So that's it. Like, there's no there's no third act. It just kind of stops. Yeah. And the lady was, and then like, they're trying to explain to her what's going on. She's like, don't tell me. And I'm like, people are dying, lady. You kind of want to know what's going on. When she like slaps the kids, like, don't touch things that aren't yours. And they, both of them just don't even react to it. They're just like, so you've been here long? Like, like that didn't just happen. <laughs> like I said, I think the I think of the many things that made me just hate that lady. The first big thing was the whole like asking what they're going to do when she's asleep, and I'm like, what the fuck? And then like I said, when she has a weird freak out in her bedroom, and she's like, oh, I knew it, and he's just like, calm down. By the way, how Mark Roberg talks is like this the whole time. What? Just calm down. No, we'll get into that in a minute. But uh it is weird that like she'll, you know, the old lady will be like, Are you gonna murder me in my sleep, you know, awkwardly? And then they just go to bed. Yeah, like, that to me is I'm gonna get out of this house now. Right. And then the next day he finds a doll in her bed, and I'm thinking, like, oh, this is gonna go somewhere. No, we just get a weird moment where she has again the worstly one of the worst, most worstly edited jump scares. Um and her doing like the spirit hand thing and getting mad and then just leaving the house. Uh yeah. Again, Shyamalan's a robot and doesn't know how humans interact and how life works. I'm Apparently. determined. I'm determined on this goddamn thing. Ah, uh, yeah, that that that's what I picked. So next up, the next one that was just as fucking like picking apples from a goddamn tree insert any other stupid southern fucking thing there um i'm just gonna say i'm gonna have my own dialogue be terrible to match Shyamalan at this point in the podcast um uh the ed wood the worst line and i'm half tempted to change honestly this one to fucking Shyamalan. um worst oh. line okay put a pin in that because i think we are gonna do that um, I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to, folks. This might be called the Shamlock. So I have to turn. This guy does not know how to write dialogue. So yeah. what? All what, right. Would you pick? <laughs> uh, mine went to a line from Alma. Uh, it's early on in the movie when everybody's really freaked out because things are, you know, people are dying in mass and no one really knows what's going on. And uh, she, <laughs> the group, kind of takes off and they're abandoned, and Alma just goes. Can you believe how crappy people are? Like in that inflection, like, wow, this is weird. It reminded me of a joke from Norm MacDonald when he was saying, uh, I've been reading up about this Hitler guy. And, you know, I think that guy was a real jerk. <laughs> like, yeah, but hardly the, the full story, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, it was that kind of like, I think, you know, can you believe how crappy people are? It's like, yeah, have you not been paying attention to what's going on right now? Like, look, they, people think the world's ending, and you're just kind of like, ah, oh, well, darn. <laughs> yeah, it, it's especially infuriating, like you saying that because, um, I know you haven't watched it yet, um, but I've been, you know, I've been watching um The Last of Us on HBO, um, which if y'all haven't seen it, fucking please tune in. Don't. Don't don't boy don't try to be anti whatever on episode three fucks 
enjoy it. I am. I do want to say real quick. I am planning on watching this this weekend. Oh, really? Like for real? You're not pulling my train right now? No, I have some free time. I'm taking a thesis break between Friday and then after when I get back from the trip. So I have like a two day limbo window and I'm going to go ahead and just knock out The Last of Us. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, that's good. I hope you I hope you really like I definitely wanted like to discuss that because me and Josh been watching. It's like our Sunday thing now to watch the fucking Last of Us because we're both into it big time. Um, but it's funny because you watch that and you see a film that is tackling an apocalypse, that's tackling how humans would react and how and taking that idea you just said when she goes, you know, people are just church tricks, which I'm with you. It's a fucking terrible delivery of that line, like and no shit. But you have like the last of us that is doing that so great, which is showing you without telling you and doing it in a way that is riveting and engaging and makes you want to keep watching. And actually it's working because their episode numbers have climbed each episode. They're getting more viewers each episode. Um, but then you have this side, the bad side of it, where I haven't really honestly, for being honest, I haven't seen people be that jerkish throughout this movie. And they did the most basic thing humans would have done in a crisis. And instead of thinking common saying, let's stay in a group, everyone dispersed randomly. And her response is, oh, people are jerks. That, look, I have seen The Walking Dead. I have seen 20 Dead. I've seen so many other things. I've seen humans do horrible shit. That's bad to you? Yeah, I've seen a lot of apocalypse movies. And they people tend to realize what's happening to themselves and are like, okay, shit's going bad. In this movie, everyone's just kind of like, well, I guess things are going pretty badly. I mean, might be the plants, might be terrorists. I don't know. But, oh, hey, look, they're running. Oh, hey, that guy just killed himself. Well, you know, it could be worse. Like, no one seems to be taking this seriously. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> it's so strange. And like I said, that line delivery, not only is it bad line delivery, but like I said, like, what, what was the line? Like, um, people are crappy. Yeah, can you believe how crappy people are? Thank you. She says that again, like you said, after everyone just disperses from getting scared. The most basic human flight or fight response we have, even in times of non-emergency. Two things. One, one of my favorite letterbox reviews I didn't use was, this is the weirdest episode of New Girl. And two, I think Knock at the Cabin's twist is going to be that the apocalypse fucks with the trees and they start killing people. And this is the secret prequel to the happening. He's tying it all back to the happening. If there's one thing I've learned about M. Night Shyamalan is that he doubles down like no one else. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe. But at the same time, I know this, this new one's based off uh, he's adapted from a book. So we might yeah. hopefully avoid that. A book whose ending he openly said he changed. Well, because uh, do you want me to say to you what the ending is? We don't know. Not on air, just in case there's people out there who aren't expecting to get that spoiled for them, and I don't want to be the guy who does that. Okay, fair enough. Then I won't do it, but as soon as we're done recording, I'll tell you how it actually ends and why I think most people would be like, yeah, they can't do that. for a, a, Not by a studio-backed movie you know, being sold to masses. Um, but yeah, it, it's just like the when she says it, it's like, really? That's when you say it? When everyone not... Her? Like, her. Her whole damn character is written to be unlikable. I mean, from the get-go, you know that she's cheating on him. She doesn't seem to give a shit about anything. He doesn't seem to care that she doesn't give a shit about anything. This marriage is doomed. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, and look, I have seen a shit ton of New York. I had a buddy of mine that, like, loved Zoe Deschanel. And so I got subjected to a lot of New York. And then felt the same way. Um, 
so yeah, she's terrible. He's ter- especially his whole like, you know, when I saw that clerk at the blah blah blah, and I I didn't even need the gum. I just like what? And then like, please tell me you're choking. And he just nods and she's like, thank you. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, no. First off, he that was a dumb joke. Why did you even say that? And to like, you're going to thank him for joking when you have cheated on him? Are you fucking serious? Yeah. Elliot, do not let the apocalypse be her excuse to trap you in this loveless marriage. Get out of there. Take the girl, find another group, let her fend for herself with all her knowledge. The whole like beginning of the relationship is John Lucasamo telling you how like when they got married. She was crying and she it's like so she didn't want to get married. She like why why should I care about this marriage when apparently it was doomed from like the very start? I don't know. What's your line? Mine, and I'm so glad I didn't write it because I worked really, really hard and make sure I had every line of dialogue from this line correct. AKA luckily it was on IMDB. So thank you, IMDB. Um and that's when they've run to in any good apocalypse movie, what usually happens our main characters break away from people and they end up with someone else for a short period of time at the initial outset. It always happens. Walking Dead did with Morgan and you know Rick. You know, Morgan came back later. But it always happens, right? Your initial person you get with. We get it here. They end up with a couple after the diner that take them to their house to go grab some supplies and get hit the road. We get to the house. They wander into their little um, greenhouse that they got. Guy comes back, tells them, hey, we're, you know, getting ready to get out of here, blah, blah, blah. And he says this nice spill and everyone hold your asses to your seats. Because this is the most riveting line of dialogue in the movie where people are killing themselves. Are you ready? Here we go. This is exactly what he says. We're packing hot dogs for the road. You know, hot dogs get a bad rap. They got a cool shape. They got protein. You like hot dogs, right? By the way, I think I know what's causing this. Got a cool shape. What? <laughs> what in the fuck? In a movie where people are just randomly killing themselves, do I give a shit about your feelings on hot dogs? And also, there's what? There's a bad rap on hot dogs for someone to care? Like, they're is certain a, American pastime food. I don't understand. Is this an ongoing debate that is still ongoing during the apocalypse? I, I don't know. My favorite part of that whole bit is both Wahlberg and Deschanel are both kind of like, well, I don't really like hot dogs. <laughs> like That's kind of their reactions. Like, what else you got? Yeah. <laughs> do people like hot dogs enough to do these rants? Like, I don't hate hot dogs. I'll eat a hot dog. But, like, I didn't know there was just a ingrained debate <laughs> not, i thought they were kind of like america's pastime food you see them advertise all the time at fucking sports games like what the hell kamalan does that he creates non like he creates debates that don't exist like he did it in split with the fucking hooters wing sauce he's like hooters makes a great wing sauce and i will not like i need to put that in my movie about a split personality psychopath yeah like, when it's like guess what buddy well, yeah no one cares in that movie and two look i'll say it i used to say you know what the people who said they went to Hooters for the wings, I believed you for years. I do not. Go fuck yourself. You're only going there for the tits. Their wings suck ass. I have tried them. Apparently, people aren't even going there for the tits anymore. That's a real problem right now. 
Yeah, I I love that hardcore millennials don't like boobs and they're basically like they're not going to Hooters, so they don't like boobs. And I'm like, no, we like good food. It's like if you're going to give me that kind of service, you need to back it with good food for me to keep going. Because I'm not going to go there just for a lady in scantily clad outfit and then pay for shitty food. I'm not doing that. I honestly can't believe that place hasn't been like swallowed up by controversy yet. Yeah. But, but uh yeah, hot dogs. Yeah, I'm glad you picked that. I remember thinking this is weird and why are we talking about this? And it comes out like he says some other shit that's actually pertinent to the plot before he does this. I remember it was weird. He starts talking about like, hey, we're gonna grab some stuff and then hit the road. Oh, and then he also goes, We're packing hot dogs, and then goes on this fucking rant about hot dogs, and you're like, um, what? And then it gets weirder because then he talks to a plan and it's like, what the fuck? His wife walks in, he's like, You got the mustard? And she's like, right here. Like, was this is this family built on fucking hot dogs? I I I think it's like you said, man. Like Shamalon, like again, he's a robot. He has these weird moments where like I said, like in split, he's like, you know what? I fuck you, millennials. I stand by Hudos uh wings and I like their sauce. So I'm putting it in my movie. And this I guess he was like, No, fuck you, America. I like hot dogs. All right, I'm putting it in my movie. Like I don't I don't care. I don't care what you like at all, Shamlon. I honestly doesn't affect me at all. I hope Knock the Cabin has like at least a 20 minute diatribe about like spam or something. Or here or uh, because he brought up the sauce, now Shamlon's like really trying to defend heaters. He just goes on about heaters. One of the dudes breaks out like a bottle of wing sauce and Batista's like, is that Hooters wing sauce? All right, you won't be the one who's killed. You clearly have good taste. We're gonna need that in the next life. It, dude, it's funny because I really like the long time. Like you know, I would believe people were like, okay, hey, I guess they do have good rings. It's probably why people are going. So I heard that for years. Like, oh, their rings are good. I was like, let me try them. So I did, and I, I and I do. I try them. I was like, okay, I am going to pull. I guess like the old the old person move of you only go there for the tits. Um, yes, you do. You obviously go there for that. I've tried those rings and they are fucking disgusting. I hated them. I don't remember. I went there one time in high school, and I don't remember. Yeah, I I mean, look, I mean, we all go at least once. That's probably honestly how it thrives is, like, people go when they're in high school, be like, let's go to Hooters. And then I think they make a, a lot of money. They usually do. Apparently, they do lots of stuff for, like, UFC games. So I think they get, like, a big business boon during that time. So, but, yeah, their rings are volatile. Like, it, just be honest while you go there, guys. It's fine. Just say it. Just say it. Uh, yeah, so let's move on from hot dogs now for the the Steven Seagal somehow fitting from hot dogs to Steven Seagal. Uh, the both, worst, both the same shape, yeah. Same I like one more than the other, you decide which. Uh, worst performance, uh, this goes to Marky Mark. I mean, dude, come on, if you're gonna be a science teacher, I don't know. Maybe go talk to a science teacher. <laughs> Maybe mean, try. Yeah. Just you're just doing the same, you know. What? <laughs> Are you serious? This is really happening. Kind of shtick that you've been doing well, your whole damn career. He, he does that. Do you notice most of his dialogue is like this? Why are you doing that? Oh my god. Like he doesn't really end his sentences and everything sounds like he's questioning what he's saying. Well, he's always got this kind of like angrily 
annoyed and confused look on his face. Like, I don't... <laughs> God. I don't get it. And dude, his opening scene, oh, I almost wrote that shit down. I had that written down. He's like, his opening scene... And he's saying the shit to like, look, Shamon, again, you're a fucking robot that doesn't know how humans talk. No teacher is going to say the things he said to that male student without getting their ass fired. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, when I was, I watched The Sixth Sense for this week and uh, Donnie Wahlberg fucking knocks it out of the park in that movie. And I just keep thinking, we collectively as society, we back the wrong Wahlberg and we should be ashamed I- of it. Okay, look, look at this. We're both finding out truths about ourselves that we both agree on, because I am with you. Donnie Rawberg is fucking underrated. Yes, I feel like he got judged because he was a new kid on the block, dude. Yeah, but, like, but I'll listen to them before I listen to fucking Good Vibrations. This is also true. Um, But yeah, I back that, dude. I Look, the Saw films, the opening of Sixth Sense with him in it, like that guy had talent, and we just went, mm, we want Marky Mark. And you know what it was? It's because whereas New Kids on the Block, Donnie made a, tr- a terrible move. He kept his clothes on. He kept his clothes on and he danced in sync, which worked for the 90s when everybody liked the boy bands, right? Or the 80s, sorry. New Kids on the Block was late 80s, I believe. Um, but Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark, he had he had a lead up on him, first off with the name Marky Mark. It just it just rings when you go Marky Mark's fucking much. And also... He routinely only got down to his underwear and showed off that body. Now, I'm not gay, but I'm just saying it probably helped quite a bit. Come on, come on. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm saying, like, I feel like right. we got entranced with Marky Mark's body and went, yo, we'll back well, in that one. He had the Calvin Klein ads. He had, you know, he was the the image of, like, you know, the bad boy of whatever the fuck. I don't know what, it, what he was trying to pull, but I know Bad Boy was part of it. But, you know, Donnie's on Blue Bloods. He's doing fine. Also, he's been on Blue Bloods for uh, since it's been on. And it's, I think it's still airing. He's had his reunion. There's Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch aren't reuniting. No, they're not. Also, he's been he's gone back to New Kids on the Block before and they've, they've done concerts. So, but no, I'm with you. We we backed the wrong one because Donnie, like, <laughs> you say what you want about the Saw movies. I thought he was fucking great in Saw 2. Yeah, I agree. Um, did you who did you have did you also have mark for this so i actually wrote down both honestly i'm gonna look i'm gonna do a one-time flexing of my worst performance here and put at an s after the e because <laughs> i had both mark Rawberg and zoe deschanel dear god look first off it's hard because not all almost everyone here is universally bad john goes actually you can tell is trying his best with what he has um, but I usually like him anyway, and when I see him, and because he he's always been a, a fun presence. Um, but these two, oh my god! I I was trying to debate like, okay, I got to put one of these. I even thought about saying, oh cool, Connor picked Mark Robert. I'll go. Is there, no, fuck it. Both of these people, they're like the worst couple to watch. Mark Robert, like you said, like his line delivery, the shit coming out of his mouth. I'm like, what the fuck? She's just as awful. Probably just something I never really liked her. And now this is the second film this year alone I've seen her in, thanks to fucking a rom-com movie that I'm already forgetting. Fire the launch, there you go. And it's like, god damn, and she's awful. Her line delivery is just as bad. Like, god, I hated that these were my two main characters I had to follow. 
I agree. I had them both written down at various times, so I'm glad we're going to shit on both of them. Yeah, they're both terrible. Yeah, it. Oh, I don't think I've ever sat through a phone while I was actively rooting for the main romantic couple that I should care about to just die. Yep, same here. So weird. It, oh, well, I, I promise that's the only time I'm going to flex that. I flex the rules now, but I, just, I couldn't. I was like, look, I. If I'm going to do this on my show, I'm I'm doing it at least this one time because fuck these two so much. Uh, now for uh, the Michael Bay, the worst filmmaking decision. Boy, could you go at this for a lot of different angles. What did you go with? Well, I originally had the uh, the stilted dialogue, but we we covered all of that. That's to be expected. <clears throat> so instead, I'm going to talk about the insane cop out of an ending. Where the movie just stops, everyone's back at you know at life, and people are on the news. They're like, we don't know what happened, and the way they explain it is like, well, it's an act of nature, and we don't really understand nature. Nature can do whatever it wants, whenever it wants. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, you, sir, are a lazy writer, because when your explanation is, I don't fucking know, you figure it out. That is not good writing. <laughs> that means you didn't know how to end this, and you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. So fuck you. M. Yeah, he tries to pull it like well, it's a red tide, which in case anyone's wondering, is basically like think about like what happens in the movie. As like, okay, like when a tsunami happens, right? You got the smaller waves that hit first that still do some damage, and then you have the actual big ass wave that fucks everything up. Yeah. Same concept here. You had like the little mini attack that happened, the red tide means that like uh, the bigger thing's actually about to go down. Um, he tries to use that as a cop out, but I'm like, that doesn't. That's not really a a twist, dude. He even puts in that ending where it's now happening in France. Um, I'm like, that's not really a twist. That's just you didn't know how to end it, and you're like, mm, look, it's actually global. It's not just in the northeast. See, I would have written that Mark Wahlberg was a tree the entire time. That would have been my twist. Well, explain how why he delivered dialogue the way he did, right? <laughs> Wooden performance. Oh, see what you did there. Um, all right, well, good. That means mine. That uh, mine's a little bit more obvious. Um, I did not go for the stilted dialogue. I didn't. I thought that was too easy. I went with um him making the plants and trees be the villains. Not because I don't think it's a bad idea. I do think there is something in there. But um, there. Oh, sorry. Those weird noise outside my apartment. Sorry. It's the trees, man. It's the trees. They hear me. Um, <laughs> I like a momentary scare. I was like, oh, shit. But my dog didn't react to it, so I, I should be safe. But he's also, like, super passed out. Um, so, uh, not again, not because I don't think it's bad. Um, and the idea of, like, them causing people to kill themselves, I think, again, there is something there that's truly horrific. The reason I put this down is because it is terrible logic, vague-ass rules, and Shalon... Uh, goes out of his way it feels like to not even make it remotely as scary as scary as it should be at any point in this film yeah i agree with all of that he wanted a spooky you know apocalypse movie but it's all been done you know he can't do monsters he can't do aliens so trees yeah and like, like i said there's something especially what you want it to be a metaphor for like nature taking the earth back Again, there's absolutely something there. It just 
Yeah. That was obvious. It's like, of course, that's what he's doing. Like, oh, okay. Mother Nature doesn't want people on this earth anymore because they're fucking it up. So this is the this is the calling. Got it. Yeah, but like, yeah, like I said, like he at no point is it scary. No point, you know, the rules are vague. Like he has the vaguest set of like rules of like how. Like at one point he goes like, well, the wind's carrying it, but uh, what? He he does that in every single movie. Something extraordinary happens, and they make like somebody assumes like, oh, well, this is probably what's happening. And they are right on the money every single time. You know, I see dead people. Well, I don't know if that's how that. No, I think they want to be heard. I don't know if that's how it works. Turns out it's true. Unbreakable. I have superpowers. Well, here's how that works. Oh, I don't know. Well, it turns out they're right. Signs. This guy wrote a book about everything about aliens. And he's right about all of it. It's like every single time he did that. And yeah. It, oh. I hate that shit. Dude, I hate it. And what's crazy is that like. To me, this is part that he should have like started tying up. Like, if I was to be like, dude, okay, you have something here, but you've got to sign this shit up. Cause like again, like the wind thing, again, to again, kind of going back to the last of us, right? Um, the reason I think the wind was so that whole segment was stupid, the whole getting carried by the wind. Um, so think about like again, going back to the last of us. Um, for those of you who have played the game, well, for those of you who haven't played the game, um, one of the things, the way that the virus spread in the game was through essentially the air. Like they had spores that it would sprout out, but the game would have it would kind of do a workaround by having it, the spores be centralized to a location. So if you walked into it, that's how you could get affected. Well, you know, Truckman, the guy who was created uh, lead on the game, he's working with Craig Mason on the show. And they had a whole discussion about like, hey, look, for the show, let's be honest, people want to ask, if it's airborne, why isn't everyone infected? And they went, that's a good point. Let's redo it. So for the show, they fucking dropped that. So no spores on not the way it, it travels because the wind would pick it up and make it travel. And it was infected. And they changed it because they are smart human beings and went, yeah, people won't have questions about the wind thing and spores. Shamalon just went, yeah, the wind, duh. No <laughs> one's going to think that's stupid. That's wrong because we all thought that was stupid. Uh, I'm very curious what your what your silver lining is because I what did you find anything positive about this? I I stretched it. It was another week of like me really having to come up with something, and it's like it's like the most minute fucking thing I could think of. Um, and now actually on that note, let's just go ahead and get into our silver lines. One positive we got. What before I reveal mine? What did you pick? Uh, I picked one scene. It's at the beginning when uh, people just start falling off skyscrapers in New York. Cause that was genuinely upsetting. Like if, you know, mass suicide of that kind would be absolutely horrific. If hundreds of people just started falling off of buildings in New York, landing with a smack. Like I was like, Oh shit, this might actually be something to see. And it turns out I was wrong, but that was, that was an interesting start. So I, I went with that scene. That's fair. Mine's actually kind of like an expansion of that. Um, and I put pretty much like the scenes of people committing suicide, like just all the scenes. Um, you know, like I know I just bitched about like him not him pulling back so far in our rating. And yes, I do still think he pulls back, it doesn't go as far as he could. But most of the suicide scenes are the better parts of this fucking movie to the point that I was like, just fucking make this like faces of death and give me people committing suicide because this is the only thing remotely enjoyable about this movie. Yeah. Could have called this Suicide Squad. 
people would have seen people probably would have seen it. <laughs> would have been upset. It's like, wait a minute, where's Harley Quinn? Oh, that guy just wait jumped out of the building. Yeah, like you know, like no, we don't see the part where the guy puts a lawnmower. Like we don't, we just hear it. But like, just the fact that that's how one dude killed himself. I'm like, holy shit! Like, again, like there's creativity there. Like people are having to find very inventive ways to kill themselves. Part when like the pulling the gun, they keep using the same gun to kill themselves. Yeah. Again, I would have just Shyamalan just show it. Why am I only looking at their feet? You have it rated R, dude. Just fucking show it. Um. But again, a cool concept of like someone just keeps picking up the gun and doing it. Like that stuff was cool, but that was it. That was it. And even then, I was just like, okay, cool. I want this to end. I do too. So let's 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 move on. Uh, all right. Well, that's all we got for the awards. Let's let's move on to what's in the box. Everyone pretty much hates this. 2.0 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I got four reviews here. I couldn't find any positive ones, and that's not a surprise. Uh, here are five or four reviews I hope can make you laugh. This first one's from Adam Bolt. Has anyone made the joke of this movie making you want to kill yourself yet? One star. Like, yeah, the movie, like, I certainly thought about it. It's like I it, I could get out of this right now if I just take that knife over there. But uh it crossed my mind numerous times. Yeah. In fact, a lot of the movies we've done on this show has made me think, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I've looked at my dog thinking, like, you don't want to go rabid right now? Come on, come on. <laughs> Next one's from Comrade Yui. I love you, Shyamalan, and I'll defend you. Don't you ever make some shit like this again. One star. <laughs> <laughs> Even the diehards are like, Don't you do that to me again. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I love you, but fuck you for this movie. This next one's from Vinny Sims. M. Night saw Frank Darabont's The Mist and was like, yeah, you're right. Let me try. One, one and a half star and a heart. Let me... Yeah, I'll watch The Mist before I sit through this again. Oh, a million times. And this, this last one... The movie, not the show, because I've heard the show's pretty terrible. So did I. The death knell in Spike TV. That's what that was. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, Paramount Network. Ugh. This last one's from The Movie Dude. And this is one of my favorite I've ever found. Well, it happened. <laughs> one star and a heart. It's like, yeah, it did happen. You can't deny that. <laughs> that reminds me of when I sat through like Halloween ends and the credits rolled. And I was like, well, that was a movie. That I just watched. Halloween did indeed end. <laughs> did indeed end. Well, see ya. <laughs> yeah, I love that joke. Ah, uh, that's good. Oh, it happened. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. All short but sweet. <laughs> yep. Unlike this movie. Um. Well, let's let's close the book on what's in the box and on this movie. Um. Let's get through our social media and then reveal what's happening on all the shows next week. So for our real uh, next week's episode, be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. If you want to show us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. Second half of the year, still open for recommendations, especially October. If you got any horror ones you want to make me fucking sit through. Um, say like I hate horror. I love horror, but goddamn, do I hate bad horror. Um, 
we would like to donate and support us in that way, you can find us on Anchor. And then finally, feel free to get on our site, filmguys.com, for trailers, articles, and all of our episodes. Also, check out our various letterbox for reviews. I've recently been embracing our switch over the letterbox and actually typing stuff into my letterbox reviews as opposed to just giving it a couple of stars and moving on in my life. I noticed. Uh, it was nice. Yeah. If you want to know what I thought, uh, I recently for infinity pool watch all of brand corumber stuff as i said and i have said something about all three of his films so if you want to know my thoughts look at that um they're also short sweet to the point because i've been embracing that part of letterbox not doing um into too big detail uh so yeah there's that now to reveal what is going on next week on beyond bed we'll be taking a look at the sword and sorcery fancy spinoff of the conan films red sonia oh i've heard monstrous things about this one as well as the reboot they promised us like 20 years ago and then it's, 10 years ago and then five years ago honestly it's still on the table it's still on the table yeah ain't gonna be rose mcgowan not at this point oh um, god no but uh yeah i'm excited to watch this schwarzenegger is one of those guys who like his entire catalog i want to cross off my list so yeah red so yeah no I'm, I'm excited to see this and yeah no ever since look ever since uh, Rose McGurin stopped fucking Robert Rodriguez. She was no longer attached. All right, that's not me trying to attack her, but like that's when she was attached. Was when they were an item. Yeah. Well, so, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. Uh, but yeah, I don't think we've actually. Uh, well, no, we did He-Man, so we haven't done a whole lot of Sword and Sorcery type stuff. This one being more true blue Sword and Sorcery fantasy uh, film than He-Man, so this should be a lot of fun. They're somewhat. First time watch here. First time type of watch. So, on Filmgasm, they will be taking a look at a Russian folk horror classic that is pronounced V, because I have also said it the way that you said it for the longest time, because I did not know how to say it. Um, So that should be fun. Yes, indeed. And we're going to do that one in person, so that'll be really fun. Yeah, hopefully the movie is good. (laughs) I know Josh likes it. So... And on Oscar Sunday, we'll be looking at Shyamalan with a more positive light this time. With his, this time we can use the word "excellent" film debut, The Sixth Sense. I am actually we're talking about Sixth Sense. It's been a while since I've actually watched it. Yeah, reclaiming this one didn't do a great filmgasm, so we're going to do a great Oscar Sunday. Yeah, should be a lot of fun actually watching um, the good side of things and hopefully dialogue that is uh, good as opposed to horrendously stilted. Well, it'll be silted still, but the actors are actually good in this one. Um, until then, while I wouldn't worry about Earth's vegetation ever going rogue and causing global mass suicides, remember to still take care of our planet. It's the only one we got. See you all next week on Beyond the Bad. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha